Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. We've come to worship together. We've come to remember our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who took on the weight, the sin of the world, did what we could never do on our own to give us what we could never deserve. And we remember his death tonight with the hope and the assurance that he rose three days later. Amen. So God, we welcome you in this place. We thank you for what you've done. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. Offer up 
solemn service because we focus in on what Jesus did for us, the price that he paid. We talk honestly about the cross and what Jesus went through for our sake to know us, to hold us, to be in relationship again. The cross is, is brutal, but it's more than just the physical act, but the spiritual, the emotional, the mental toll that Jesus took upon himself for our sake. And we're just going to kind of walk through that story tonight. What did that mean? We've been talking through Luke, and we're back in Luke again tonight. But, of course, we're jumping ahead to those moments in Luke. Uh, I believe it's chapter uh, 20, 22, verse 39. In the garden. So Jesus has now already had dinner with his disciples, the Last Supper. He sat at the table, and we're going to get there. Jesus has already experienced the abandonment of one of his friends. And if you criticize leadership, let me encourage you, uh, even Jesus lost one. (laughs) Even one said, I'm out. But the truth is, we're going to find out he really loses all 12 that night. None of them stay with him. None of them endure to the cross. Matter of fact, they really don't make it past the garden. Except John, and John kind of hangs back, but they're sitting at that last supper, and Judas bails on him, and, and, and Peter says, hey, I'm going to stick with you, and Jesus, I, I almost wonder if it's like double betrayal, because Jesus feels like, you're going to deny me three times, and you're denying the truth about yourself right now, Peter. You don't get it. We don't get how far our hearts are really are from God, how, how much we drift, how much we stray. Matter of fact, the, the great hymn says it really so well. Come thou fount of every blessing, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Some of us, we get that, right? We get that, I'm prone to wander. My eyes wander. My heart wanders. My thoughts, they drift And he watches one of his disciples wander off. He's about to watch the others do the same. And after all of this, as it's coming upon him, he's like, you know, before this all happens, what does Jesus do? And this is a pretty good note for us. Before it's all about to go down, what does Jesus do? He prays. It's time to pray. Let's go pray, guys. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mountain of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give into temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down to pray, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. I just want to say right there in that moment, you need to know something. Jesus is fully God and fully man. So he is fully willing to go through with it, but he's also fully willing to say, I don't want this. Is anybody here like, like suffering? You like to sign up? Like you're like, yeah, you know, I like to just go through a good gauntlet of pain, right? How many of us, when we're in good seasons, we do everything we can not to think about Pain and struggle. 
But in this moment, Jesus is saying, I, I don't want this either, but not my will. Not what I want. But yours be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep. Exhausted from grief, he said, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Jesus goes to this place, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray and cry out to God. So if you don't know, Gethsemane, what, what it means is olive press. Most likely they had some kind of an olive grove there. As a matter of fact, you can pay a lot of money to get the best olive oil in the world from Jerusalem, right? Nothing personal, Italians, Sicilians, but the best olive oil in the world is from Jerusalem. Jesus goes in this place to pray, and, and here's what happens. If you, if you take a look at this, this is a picture of like an ancient olive press from Jesus' time. Do we have that, guys? Can you throw that on the screen? So what they would do is they would load this basin with olives and this giant stone, whether by hand or, or by, by donkey or whatever, and they would roll it, and what it would do is it would roll over the olives over and over and over till it squeezes every last ounce of oil out of it. What's happening to Jesus in this moment is the weight of the world. The weight of death is beginning to roll over on him and begin to press him and press into him and squeeze the life out of him. Imagine the weight of the sin of humanity beginning to come upon you. I want you to think just for a second. Think about everything you've ever done or thought that's wrong. Maybe you did it today. That time you were greedy and you know you could have shared, but you just wouldn't. That time you, you stole that amount of money and then and then you thought, well, it's, it's no big deal. I'm, I deserve it. That time you, you cheated and you thought, well, you know, they understand me. I'm like, my spouse doesn't. But I want you to multiply that over your lifetime. How many of us, every evil thought we've had, right? How many times have we been cut off in traffic, right? And the things that we thought probably deserve fire from heaven upon us for that moment, right? When our boss was a jerk to us and, and the response we had, all the times, not only were we not spiritual, we were, we were almost satanic. The rage we felt towards people, how we've fought for our own injustices and yet caused them upon other people. Add up everything ever, all throughout life, every thought you've had, and I don't mean today, I mean the, the expanse of your life. And then take that combined with every other person now, just in this room. Now take it with every other person in Lockport. And then take it with every other person in the south suburbs, and then take it in every other person, every single person that's in Chicagoland, 
Nine million people and their sins that they've, always, that they've committed from birth to death and then take that and combine it across the country. Yes, even in Washington, D.C., which seems like nobody could pay for that. No, just keep adding them up. Keep adding them up. Every, every administration that's ever existed across every continent, every government that's ever existed, every person that's ever existed that would come, that has already existed, that would exist at the time that exists often to the end of the age when God says it's done forever and he creates a new heaven and new earth. All of those sins ever committed are beginning to press down on Jesus in the garden. And the Bible says he begins to sweat great drops of blood. That's a medical condition. It's called hematidrosis. It's when shock takes over your system. And you're under so much strain and stress, you can't contain it. And it begins to bleed out of you in the stress and the pain and the strain of the situation. This is what our Savior begins to deal with for us. In the garden, he begins to be pressed. What crushes you? Let me ask you, what overwhelms you? What can't you bear under the weight of? We all have it, right? We all have a breaking point. Jesus was crushed for that thing. Jesus bore the weight of that thing. Jesus took that on. He came underneath that. What, what squeezes the life out of you? It's too much. I can't. It's killing me. Jesus was squeezed like that. What stresses you out? You're just beyond. Jesus took that stress on in this moment. It's not just at Calvary. It's the whole process. He's starting to take on the weight of the world. Past, present, and future sins. Every thought, every act, every ripple effect. Everything we've ever thought and done wrong. Matter of fact, how many know? How many know we've done more wrong than we know? How many have ever had somebody come and you like, I, I hurt them and they told me and I, I didn't even know? There was a young man named Brandon years ago. He's in our youth group. Brandon was a special young man. I loved him a lot. I thought I was 20 something kid I was new I was green I didn't understand compassion and one day Brandon came up and said something to us at, at something I don't even remember this moment Brandon he, he, he had a limp um, and he had an arm that didn't fully function and mentally he wasn't all there but he loved the Lord and he loved us and I remember a few years ago a few years later, my pastor said, hey, I need you to go and talk to this guy named Russ. I didn't know Russ hardly in our church. I said, well, what's going on? I said, he said, I need you to go apologize to him. What did I do? He said, well, one time Brandon came up to you and you talked and you were just dismissive and it really hurt him. He was angry. He has an offense towards you. 
And I kind of remember that day, and I kind of remember the way I was with Brandon. I went back, and I apologized to Russ. We offend God in ways we don't even know. Not because God is counting everything we're doing wrong, but because he's holy and we're sinners. And this is that moment where Jesus takes all of that on in the garden. Even the stuff we don't know that we're doing wrong. Let's stand and worship again. There was moment when the lights went out.
but the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they'd requested, he released Barabbas, a man in prison, for insurrection and murder, but he turned over Jesus to them and do as they wished. You can be seated. So here's what happens. Jesus goes through a night of sham trials, of being mocked by leaders, being lied about, falsely accused. Many of you know what that's like. And they beat him within inches of his life. Matter of fact, that night it says they would blindfold him and they would punch him as hard as they could and then they'd say, prophesy, Jesus, who hit you? And they took his beard and they tore half of it out, which was more than just the cruel act. It was also a mockery of manhood and emasculating him. Pilate had him flogged. They took him to a post, probably about so high, and then they chained him to it. And unlike movie depictions, he didn't have a loincloth on. He was humiliated before the world. And they took something like a cat of nine tails, and I got to tell you, kids, this part's kind of rough. At the end of these strips were pieces of glass and bone and rock. And Roman soldiers, the Roman soldiers are strong men. Matter of fact, they're considered the world's best soldiers at this point in history. They come down on Jesus' back over and over, countless times. So much so, what happens is <coughs> how this works is the rock would begin to, much like a hammer on meat, begin to tenderize his back. It begins to beat and and soften and open up him. And then eventually when it's tenderized enough, the bone and the glass begin to catch in the skin. And they would twist it and they would pull it out. Jewish law was 40 lashes, but Jesus wasn't beaten by Jews. He was beaten by Romans. And Roman law said that you beat somebody as close to death as you can visibly tell. They took a crown of thorns about so big and they jammed it down on his skull. And they mocked him as a king. And then they took a cloak and they threw it over his back. And they would mock him as, Hail, King of the Jews! This was an extra mockery because they were under Roman occupation and Jews had no king by this point. And then they would take the cloth that they put on his back. And what people don't know is by now it's attached itself because his back is open and raw. It's attached itself to the tissue because the body thinks it's skin. And then they rip it back off. 
over and over. All through the night, he's experienced torture, beating. But more than that, betrayal. Nobody's there. Nobody's with Jesus. He can play worship team. His friends are gone. Matter of fact, one of the scriptures even talks about how Peter was there. They were within earshot. Probably roughly from me to where the sound booth is, is where Peter was to Jesus. And while Jesus is being beaten, mocked and left, he hears Peter. Hey, don't you, aren't you one of his disciples? No, I don't know him. Matter of fact, one verse says, when the rooster finally crowed, he caught eyes with Jesus. And he realized Peter had a denial for each day that Jesus was dead. How many times have we denied our Savior? How many times has the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want you to witness to this store clerk, and we're just like, nah, not today. We joined Peter's ranks that day. How many times have we said, God, I choose me today. No, I don't want to read your word today, and we just took, just, just hitting him one more time. that for you and here's the biggest thing he trades with a guy named Barabbas in this moment but more so in the grander scheme of the spiritual truth of it it's called the great exchange Barabbas is maybe a traitor to his people a traitor to Rome for sure a murderer And whatever he had done, he was considered the most heinous of crimes. Some say maybe mentally or emotionally he wasn't even all there. Possibly handicapped in some way. So not just cruel, but unable to understand the level of cruelness he lived by. And Jesus makes the trade. See, it wasn't Pilate and it wasn't the mob. Jesus willingly says, exchange the best of me for the worst in them. It's quite literal. The great exchange happens. We're all Barabbas. How many of us have lied? How many of us have held anger? The Bible says Jesus sees the heart of us that when you you even hold on to anger in a brother, Jesus says, that's hatred, that's murder in my eyes. Anybody here ever been angry at somebody for a bit, for a minute? No hint, you're all liars. So you're liars and you're murderers. Look at that, me too. Every one of us says if you ever look at somebody lustfully and it's not bound to just men women too you look at them you think about them for just a second for just a moment for just that glimpse that that thing that's like no big deal nobody will ever know nobody jesus knows bam adultery done 
You've crossed, you've created the chasm between you and God. The one time you didn't tell the truth. I remember there was a time as a kid, I'm five years old, we lived two doors down from railroad tracks. And my dad, our friends were over, my dad said, do not go play on those railroad tracks. I need to tell you, we loved playing on the railroad tracks. Don't ask me why. Seems pretty stupid now. It was stupid then. I just didn't know it was stupid. Sure enough, that day, that's what we did. You know, it's kind of funny because we walked down on those railroad tracks and we saw a snake and we threw rocks at it. I hit it and it popped up and hissed. We took off running, went home. My dad asked, so did you play on the play on the things? And he looked at all four of us. There were four of us, my brother, two friends, and me. Looked at all of them. All the kids were older than me. I was the youngest. So like, no, no, no. Gets to me. Because I'm the kid who tells the truth. No, Dad, we didn't. It's kind of funny. I literally played with a snake. I messed with the devil. I played in his playground, and it caught me. And what I didn't realize is my dad, having driven trains over the years, had watched many people die. Other drivers hit him. Matter of fact, an average of one person is killed a year for people driving trains. It's not their fault. They just, it's the reality of the job. We don't understand what we're messing with and how we've traded on God and that we're a traitor against him. We're his enemy when we're not in his family. Not because we want to be. It's because we don't know what the tracks are for and what we're doing. Let's stand together.
my Jesus Now the curse of sin Has no hold on me Whom the Son sets free Oh, is free indeed Now my debt is paid It is paid in full By the precious blood That my Jesus spilled Now the curse of sin Has no hold on me Whom the sun sets free darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit to your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officers overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd came to see the crucifixion, saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. You can be seated. Eventually what they did was they gave Jesus a giant beam, probably probably roughly 200 pounds, and they dropped it on his open, exposed back. He's now been awake all night long, beaten, mocked, left alone. He has no one. And the few that are at a distance, Mary Magdalene, Mary his mother, John, the disciple, they can do nothing. They don't speak up and what happens is they They leave him more alone. They do speak up and they die with him. I think those three though knew this is the plan. Jesus is dehydrated. Massive blood loss. To the point that he can't carry it up the hill and Simon the Cyrene asked to take his cross and carry it the rest of the way and they get to the hill and what they would do is they would drop him then and they would attach the cross beam and they would take this broken man and drop him on that 
beam. They said it. They put nails in his hands and feet. You need to know that in biblical times, all the way up to the elbow, considered the hands. If they put nails in this part of your hand, it couldn't hold you up. What they would do is they would take nine-inch nails and they would, they would drive a spike through the two bones that are in your arms as a way of holding up your weight. They would put one foot over the other and drive a nail right through that again. And then they would lift up this 200-pound beam, probably with ropes, and then with several feet dug into the ground, all of his weight, all of the pain in the world would come then crashing down on a thud. And over the next three hours, Jesus would try to breathe by pulling himself up by the weight. What happens is the lungs were collapsed from the weight of the ribcage falling on them. And the idea of crucifixion wasn't dying from blood loss. It was dying from suffocation and weakness over days upon days. It was so cruel that eventually Rome outlawed it. It was considered and is still to this day considered probably the most cruel death any man could suffer. He would pull himself up to be able to breathe and then crash back down, his back rubbing against it, the thorns banging against the back of the cross, mocked alone, bearing the weight of sin. For hours upon hours. You know, the Bible says, to God, a thousand years are like a day, and a day can be like a thousand years. How many millennia did Jesus suffer on the cross? We forget. We make this table smaller than it is. Jesus' death for us is a really big deal. moment that he finally says it's finished and he collapses a Roman soldier takes a spear and he drives it up underneath his ribcage and it says in the Bible the, the blood and the water flowed what had happened is over all of these hours and all of this struggle there isn't enough oxygen getting to the heart to pump the blood between the stress, the pain, and the lack of oxygen, the sack of blood and water begins to build in God's heart. And then when he dies, they pierce him. And God in this moment, God literally dies of a broken heart. This is our Savior. quote a speaker I heard years ago nobody seems to understand to save the world God had to die that's what this table is it's a holy holy moment he paid everything he paid for stuff I didn't ask for it is scandalous. It is crazy. Why would you do this for me? 
How many people have I hurt? How many times have I mocked you, Lord? How many times just in a day have I, have I spurned my kids or my wife for something I wanted or thought or, or blew something off or, or, or did something I shouldn't have or kept something that wasn't mine or thought things that were just the worst things to think about somebody else or assume the worst about somebody else over and over and over and over. And you said, I'll take it all. I've said it many times. People are like, how could God send somebody to hell or call us sinners? How could he not? Look what he went through for us. And we deserved none of it. We deserved everything he got. And he said, we're going to trade. We're going to have a great exchange. That's this table. So here's what we're going to do now. I want everybody to come receive the elements, but I also want you to do something else. Don't, you're going to take them with you. Don't eat them yet. And I also want you to just take a post-it and a pen if you can, maybe one pen per family because we don't have enough pens for everybody in the room. But I want you to take the elements and a, pen, a post-it and a pen per family, okay? Would you stand up and come on down? Go ahead. We're going to worship for a minute, and then we're going to... We're going to come back. There is a hill I cherish We're still a precious tree The emblem of salvation Gift of Calvary. How is it I should profit while he is crucified? Yet as his life was
22:19, he took some bread and he gave thanks. He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knew. He knew what was coming from that meal. Imagine how he felt when he tore that bread apart, knowing this is me, I'm about to be torn apart. Not just physically. The Bible says he became sin who knew no sin. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, God was wrecked. This is the body that you are partaking in. The trade made for you. Take a second and make your heart right before the Lord. Forgive us, Jesus. Let's partake together. After supper, he took the wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant for God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood poured out as a sacrifice. In the week of Passover, they thought they're going to put the blood on the doorpost. this day, no, the doorpost would be the cross, and all those who stand behind it will be saved. That's the blood that would make us clean, that would take a wretch and make him saved and a saint. We don't believe in praying to saints, because we believe at the foot of the cross stood several people. Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man. Roman soldiers, pagans and heathens who lived cruel lives. Mary, the mother of Jesus. John, the beloved disciple. Mary Magdalene, a former prostitute. They all stood at the foot of the cross because there the blood makes everybody clean because at the foot of the cross, it's level ground. Everybody stands the same. Let's partake together. was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish High Council. He hadn't agreed with the decision and actions of the religious leaders. He was from a town in Arimathea in Judah. He was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. He took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done on late Friday afternoon, the day of preparation the Sabbath was about to begin. Because if you're going to want to kill God, you want to do it where the law allows, right? As his body was taken, the women from Galilee followed and saw the lamb where the tomb was placed. 
where his body was placed, they went home and prepared spices and ointments. By the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. I think Joseph of Arimathea somehow understood in this moment Joseph gave him the grave he had because he understood Jesus might have just taken ours. The grave we deserved, Jesus took. So Joseph of Arimathea said, you can have mine. But you just gave, you just took it. How many of you, there are things in your life you just can't surrender to Jesus. Maybe it is your whole life. You've never given him your life. You never said. You, you've gone to church. You, 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 you know the drill. You kind of believe the thing. But you've never said, Jesus, come in. For some of you, it's, it may seem simple, but it's your money. You've never given God a dime. And when you did, it was like, oh, fine. Because money has a bigger hold of you than Jesus does. For some of you, it's just your time. Mine, my time is precious. For some of you, it's your, it's your health. For some of you, it's, it's abuse. Some of you, it's lust, greed, pride. Nobody's better than me at this. Man, I am awesome at this. Here's what I want you to do now. Before you go tonight, we're going to open it up for a time of worship. But I want you to take a minute. And I want you to think, what am I not trading? He didn't hold anything back. Nothing. He didn't hold anything back. And yet I keep, I keep holding stuff back. And sometimes I'm not holding it back. I just take it back. Yeah, God, I know I gave you that, but I want it again. I know I gave you my shame, but I think I want it again because, because I'm really comfortable with it. I know I gave you my parents, but... But uh, they wounded me a lot, and I need that pain again because I, I, I don't know how to live without it. I know I gave you alcohol, but I, I, just, I just want just a little bit because it comforts me. And not on the front, but on the back, on the sticky side. Just, if you could sum it in one word, what is that thing? You're like, God, make the trade with me again. And if it's your whole life, your whole heart, just do that. Draw hard. If it's, man, if it's lust and it's just clinging, pornography, write it down. Just write it. It's all just one word. Don't put your name. In a second, I'm going to ask you to come up I just want you to take that thing symbolically, Lord. I make the trade. I'm sorry. I give it back. Take it. 
it's not mine anymore. Whatever it is. I'm going to pray. When I say amen, go ahead and just lay that on up there. Stick it to the cross. You can stick it on top of somebody else's. Don't worry. Nobody's going to read these. This isn't. This is between you and Jesus. This is your moment with Him to say, "You made the trade for me. I'm, I'm making the trade back." Here, here's my heart. Here's my mind. Here's my thoughts. Here's my anger. Here's my rage. Here's my addiction. Here's my thing that I just need. Here's my prescription. Whatever it is, here, Lord, take it. Make it trade, mean it. Don't do it just because I'm telling you. When I say amen, do that. And you can feel free to stay in worship. Or you can feel free to go and you come back Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Because we're about to throw the world's biggest party for the world's greatest miracle. Amen. Father, thank you for making the trade for us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the power of the cross. And that, that the power of death three days. Oh, that Sunday's coming. Oh, that you made the trade for us. That you love us. That you forgive us. Your mercies are new, and it is scandalous and unbelievable. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Do it, God. Have your way in this place. Anybody who's not said yes to you, may they do it tonight. When they finally say, yes, Jesus, come on into my heart and life. Be Lord. I don't, I don't want to just be baptized. I don't want to just be dedicated. I want to say yes to my Savior. Come in. Be my Lord. Take my sin. Take my addictions. Take my disease. Take my broken back. Take my sickness, God. Take my limes, God. Take my cancer, Lord. Take my bankruptcy, God. Take my debt, Jesus. Take my insufficiency, Lord. Take my doubt. Take my struggle. Take my cynical heart. Take my lying tongue. Take it, God. It is all yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on up. Lay that at the foot of the cross. Lay that on the cross and let's worship.
so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.
you're crazy.